like um, you have a house, you have a physical house, but you also have a deed. So you have two different things. There you go. I don't get so, it. So that's the thing. You have one physical thing and then one thing that's a record. And that's essentially all it is. This is an NFT is a thing with a digital record. So it could be the exact same physical thing. Like everyone owns a laptop, but. What's the, the digital record? So the digital record is on the cryptocurrency blockchains. So that's where it gets kind of complicated. What's a blockchain? A bl- that's blockchain. how they mine cryptocurrency. It's, yeah, essentially it's a cryptocurrency address. So um, you know how like people mine for for copper or gold. Sure. It's and like that, but it's all digital. So instead of instead out. of taking a pickaxe into the dirt, they have to take supercomputers and math. So think of it like they unlock some stuff. I don't understand. It's money in the end. I mean, do you understand where your money no. goes? It's in a no, bank, I, and there's I'm a, a little register right that says, "Right down the toilet." Right. Where my you're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome back to The John Chi Show. That was a fun introduction to nothing important. I'm your host, KJ, along with fellow co-hosts, Nathan and Patrick. What up, everybody? Hi. Hello, kids. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably some How are your holidays? Good. Two Singular. thumbs up. Very uh, or, oh, thankful, I guess, that uh, none of us were sick. <laughs> so. uh, I did the plural, actually. We did a... Thanksgiving and Christmas on. Ooh. Well, I know you had Saturday. a hosted event, yeah, we right? Hosted it. Crushed so it. That, okay. Crushed nice. it. <clears throat> if you need host for your parties, people, oh. hit us Hire. up. Hire the Emily. Actually, Emily and I'll say Emily and Patrick. I'll put her name first. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, come on. Who most, cooked? She did most of it. That's because you're newlyweds. I did the turkey. So I felt like that was pretty Ooh. important. But You carved it? I did carve it. you actually it. make there. it? I, I did both. You we brined it. it and then cooked it and then oh. I cut it up and then we did all that the day before. Well, the brining two days before the nice. cooking. Have you guys ever deep fried a turkey? No. No. Oh, it's so good. It really is. Mm. Okay. That's uh, <laughs> not. I'm, I'm going to sit here and talk too much about it if you guys haven't done it yet. So it's. But I mean, I it's just fine. Su- you sat here you and shit. talked about Caesar's Palace buffet. I know. So. Hey, and did yeah. you see how many people said, "Wow, yes, I Yo, back you up, people. Nathan." I saw. Two people. <laughs> one of them was Jerry. One of them was us, Jerry. Yeah. And the other one was Jennifer's yeah. husband, who I told about that night because I went and hung out with them. And he was like, oh, actually, though, Caesar's Palace today, don't sleep on it. And I, I saw like, somebody All else. Right, man. It Alyssa is really Maddie, good. Maddie, I, I think. Yeah, no, I'm just saying it. There, it's a ne- next level, next level of a face. But I don't want to sit here and, you know, right now. We'll, we'll talk about it when we're you know, potentially going when to Vegas we're someday. live in Vegas, exactly. baby. So maybe Wait, John Chi in Vegas. Vegas. 2024. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it might be a while. I do need it to be planned out that far in advance. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, you're and, a busy man. And to be fair, I don't know how safe I feel about eating at a buffet right now. So, you know. Yeah, I think buffets might kind of be ruined for me. Anyways, that's not what this episode is about. Um, <laughs> Nathan, 
Will you explain to the new listeners what Janchi is, why we call ourselves the Janchi show and what's going to happen? Yes. Well, we we Janchi, we use it in multiple ways right now. We're we're using it as a verb, we're using it as a noun. We just, you know, we like to mix it up. What? We Janchi it up. We're That's doing true. a Janchi. We're, you That's know, true. I'm saying, you know, don't be so Janchi. I don't know. Um, but we Janchi means to celebrate That's feast. And That's yeah, a it's one. a new one. Yeah, don't be so feasty. Don't be so feasty. The feasty boys. Don't celebrate so much. Ooh, I like that one. The feasty boys. The John- oh, okay. But uh, yes, we are <laughs> celebrating our Korean adoption heritage, especially because this is just the end of National Adoption Awareness Month. So It is. Nah. just ended yesterday. Yeah. And what so, did you yeah. I had to count. <laughs> I had to do the little thing. 30 days has no... 30 yeah. days. Oh, yeah. Wait, it's how does it start? Over. 30 days, half September, April, yeah. June, and November. All the rest yeah. is 31, except for February. Except for February, which is dumb. Is that how yeah. that goes? I can't remember how. No, couldn't I couldn't remember just, how it ended. I just, that it usually just ends with all the rest have 31. Yeah. What were you and just then, doing? I always remember, this? like... It's the spaces in between. Oh, this, yeah. This, the big space is February because it's Well, that works if you have a 10-digit... I mean, a five-digit oh. hand. Yeah, sorry. You can't do yeah, that Nathan, over here. We're not able to I, no, like I, just do it, I just do it on one hand. Just the same hand. Just one what hand. What if you only have one hand and it's missing digits? Then I would count my toes. Dude, okay. you're just, just spiraling the drain right now. <laughs> 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 I have to edit this now so Nathan doesn't get canceled. I know. <laughs> sorry. I was just going to plug and play, but now we have to edit it way down because nah, Nathan's nah, going to get canceled. Now just, I'm just insensitive. <laughs> yes. Oh, Blast Nathan's DM. <sighs> that was funny. It wasn't, fu- it wasn't funny, but <laughs> it was kind of I mean, funny. It was a little funny. I did <laughs> laugh. You can hear through the whole thing. Okay, so we were just talking about, <laughs> before we get into this really good interview that we have coming up, um, yesterday was the last day of NAM, um, mm-hmm. and I figured we could maybe jump back and think about what we were thinking at the beginning of this month, which seems like it was 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> and, um, Just kind of revisit, or maybe just talk about a little bit about how this went for us, because I know Nathan continued to prolifically share yeah, and dude. then i think i think you did kind of maybe i don't want to say talk speak for you but maybe hit a wall at some point i know you were yes. dealing with mass sickness in your I home did. So. <laughs> yeah the sickness it was a sickness wall and it yeah it kind of derailed me for a few days there and then i had to get back on track and i i got a few things out but then of course that was right before the holidays so yeah it, it kind of it uh, derailed my focus to the point where I, I still got some stuff out, but I don't think I got as much content out as I had wanted to it, uh, or as I was at the very beginning. But I, I feel like I only – actually, I didn't count, but I think I missed like four days maybe. That's not very many. That's, so that's you, not, that's I, I did a lot. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, hitting twenty for thirty is impressive. So I, yeah, it was twenty six is. Really it, it was uh, it was more than I've ever posted in a, in a single month. So. Uh, <laughs> I have to say that I was Your proud of that. Your impressions went through the roof. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I, I think I gained a hundred new followers. I think you know there was there was Yay. there was some good uh, good connections made. Some people also reached out to me, just thanking me for all the posts that I had been making. And nice. you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't agree with everything I said, or others that really resonated with it. But that's you true. Know, that's, that's why I said almost nothing. That's why it is. It's it's 
this is, I mean, that's why it's MySpace. Well, not MySpace, it's Instagram, but you know <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> we got but this is a top three world, not a top yeah. eight, according to KJ. Um, yeah. <laughs> wait, why do you say that's why you say almost nothing? Or you said almost nothing? So, Oh, because I don't agree with Nathan. Nathan's like, I know some people don't agree with Nathan. And I was like, yeah, that's why I've given him basically no you feedback. Gave me no we were, emojis. <laughs> we were saving it for, for here, for this episode. No, we know yeah. KJ if it doesn't come up in his top three on his yeah. feed. Yeah, he's I'm such a lazy. Not he's gonna gone. engage with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, KJ. What was it for? I think for you, when we, that first episode came out, you got yes, a lot of put good words feedback. in my mouth. You got a lot of no. I'm putting words, other people's words, into uh, their own mouths. You're right in the history them. books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Going back into the archives. They showed you a lot of love for what you said about just trying to figure out how you engage with this month and like show support, but realizing that this is not really the space that you're trying to even be in maybe at the moment. Um, I don't know. Is that, did that evolve at all? Was were you just too busy to really do anything with it? Left. I found myself to be far too busy at a certain point. Um, yeah. And I was just like, I can't even, I can't even give any more to this. I don't have any more right now. Yeah, I mean, there's probably some personal stuff that, like, just work, you know, eating up my brain space and whatnot, but no, I think after that episode came out, I just, in my head, I just was really intentional about how much I shared and how I shared on our solo episodes, um, sure. because I I don't post, uh, but I do a podcast, so, you know, just making sure that, I think giving myself the freedom and... um making a conscious choice to not be so buttoned up, not be so um, well thought out, which is really hard for me because I'm kind of, I'm an internal processor first and then I like to speak about things. Um, But just to be like, just to shoot from the hip and be like, all right, here's all of what's rattling around in my brain and there's no questions and there's no answers and I'm not good at handing off to either of you. (laughs) Uh, I think that's what I've tried to do just to, um, to get it out there. Um, and to try out some new language, um, which has been interesting, but I did, I don't know when this is going to drop because it's not quite done, but, uh, I did collaborate with another, uh, Korean adoptee and we wrote a song, mm-hmm. uh, is it me? and I, no, <laughs> I have, uh, I've shared it, um, with our social media person, Katie, um, because it, it was kind of inspired from one of her posts mm-hmm. and, so it's it's a song that is around the idea of loss and around the idea of searching for birth parents and um, what that feels like. And um, yeah, I don't know. So I'm really excited about it. It's not like a, like the ones that I've released previously have been like, oh, this is my emotions and my feelings and whatever. So like for me, this is more of a concept piece, but I know that for so many uh, adoptees who are, thinking about reunification, thinking about starting their family searches and things like that. Like this is something that really preys on their mind. And so I hope that, um, I don't know. I don't know. I just, it was fun to write something that wasn't like specifically of me, but like felt like it, it could resonate with people in our community. Um, so yeah, so I don't know when it's going to drop, but it is almost done and I'm really excited about it. And yeah. Cool. I'm excited about it. I am also excited about it. Oh, I'll send you a demo. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. No. Sneak Do peek. send me one. You don't have to send him one. But <laughs> <laughs> um, that is really exciting. Um, 
exclusive exclusive announcement here on the show. Yeah, I guess yeah. it's his own Exclusive. show. But New music from the Feasty Boys. <laughs> but I think that the topic of that song is a great segue into our interview today. Um, we have an incredible fellow adoptee, Mary Byrne, with us, and she is going to talk a little bit about her journey through Reunion. And a, she talks a little bit about, or she talks about patience in that journey. And I think it's a really great lesson that I've taken out of it just from re-listening to it. But excited to share that with everyone today. So without further ado... Here is our interview with Mary Byrne. Kaja. Welcome back to the John Chi Show. We have an incredible interview uh, today for everyone out there. Um, we have Mary Byrne with us today. Am I saying your last name right, Mary? Yes. Perfect. Yes. Nailed it first time. Usually Nathan is the one messing up the last names, so uh, we're still asking on air. But so, I always correct you know, some things. Never change. <laughs> you know, we're always got to correct ourselves on the air. Some it's it's so, good to ask, just in case. Mary, everybody it is, messes uh, it up in some way. <laughs> that's, I mean, everybody can get their name messed up at any point in time. I think that's just human nature. I mean, last time you guys were calling me Nason and things. I like did that, call so. you Nason, and he called you yeah. Nathan. Nathan. Yeah, Nathan so. Norwalk. There you go. In <laughs> Norwalk. A year of podcasting, the, and you can't even say my name. The doppelganger, Nathan Norwalk. Well, that was, right. yeah, that's who he was before he died and came back to life. Oh, so. right. That was post or pre car. We'll talk about that on a solo episode. Mary, this is <laughs> your time. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> that is very true. We are here to speak with Mary Byrne today. Mary, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Um, if you haven't had a chance to listen, usually how we start these off is by asking a little bit about your adoption story. So Mary, uh, share as much or as little as you want about your story with adoption. Where does that begin for you? Um, sure. So I was adopted at four months old from Seoul, South Korea. Um, I was adopted to, a, a very Irish Catholic family in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, grew up very Irish Catholic, grew up pretty white, pretty sheltered. Um, and I was, I always knew I was adopted. I, um, was always curious about my birth parents and then, uh, never really got the guts to start searching for them until 2012. Um, but I, I always knew I was adopted. Uh, that was never a secret. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's how I came to be in the United States. Awesome. So what was it like growing up in St. Louis? You said it was a pretty predominantly white area that you were, that you grew up in. Yes. Uh, I went to private Catholic school, uh, from age four to age 18. Um, I was one of, I want to say three Asians, uh, up to sixth grade. Um, and then I was one of four Asians, uh, seventh through twelfth grade. Um, and other than my high school job of working at Kumon, I never really <laughs> saw any other Asians around me. Um, working there was like every Asian around Chesterfield, Missouri came out, uh, and I was like, "Oh, look at this!" And then, like, I never, you know, saw Asian families in public. Uh, which was weird, but that, that was just kind of the experience of like, okay, I'm in this like white little bubble. 
Except at Kumon. Except at Kumon. <laughs> First off, I don't know what that is. So. Oh, you don't? Oh, it's a math and reading center. Um, so I went there as a kid because I, I struggled familiar, with math. I familiar, but I couldn't remember. I was like, what? Is that a oh, is that It's a after panda? school. Or? Extra school, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. extra homework. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I went there Hooray. to improve my math, got better, and then uh, I began tutoring there at age 15. Um, okay, gotcha. And tutored there for a while. Yeah, my wife also went, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's uh, it's what I hear. It's where all the Asian families send their kids to, to keep learning <laughs> after school. So, what was that? What was that dynamic like for you when you made your way into that school and like had yourself surrounded by a bunch of other Asian people? Even though that's not generally where you were spending most of your time. Um. It was kind of a strange out-of-body experience where I'd go there on Saturday mornings to, you know, turn in my homework, take, like, the class. Uh, and that was the only moment that I remember growing up where I was like, I'm a majority. And I'm I'm with this outer collective of people that look like me. Um, as I got a little older, I kind of worried about stereotypes. Um as far as East Asian kids excelling in math and reading and just school in general. Um, And then I kind of unintentionally put that pressure and stereotype on myself where I was like, all right, well, if people are going to stereotype me anyway, I might as well like live up to the name and, you know, really kind of go for school. It was already innately in me, but I like, that stereotype was always in the back of my head where it's like, oh, if if I don't excel in math, what kind of Asian am I? It was it was very weird. I hadn't, you know, fully accepted being Asian, I guess, growing up. So I was it was an internal battle for that. I tried to go the opposite. I, I was like, I'm not very good at math. I don't <laughs> I don't balance a checkbook. I don't I like uh, I'm just going to although I, I did play table tennis. Yeah, exactly. Table tennis and drove. I know what a checkbook is. <laughs> I drove an, a Honda. So, I was yeah, going to say the same thing. I did went the complete opposite direction. Like I went yeah. as far away from the stereotypes. I'm like, I hate math. I'm terrible at it. Somehow, but still, somehow, found myself in all the advanced math classes. And it's like very obvious <laughs> yeah. that I was like the only way I was passing these was by cheating off of people that knew what they were doing. Oh, so like just but running, but like literally like I want to get away because I didn't have uh like a Kumon. Is that what it's? That yes. called, how pronounced? Uh, I didn't have something like that to go and experience that. So I think that's really interesting that you were able to find that place or or be a part of that and then kind of internalize it in a way of like, this is me being connected to Asian culture. Like, let me actually like do these things as most as much as I possibly can. Yeah, it was it was really neat. It's it's more impactful kind of looking back on the experience where I'm realizing the feelings that I had in that environment because uh, I hadn't thought about it for a while. But as I'm going through my journey of accepting myself as a Korean American adoptee, I'm like, oh, I subconsciously felt comfortable being surrounded by people that look like me just for being a part of a collective that is normally not part of my background environment. Like it's, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was a good experience in retrospect. It was, it was nice to have that. Did you have friends in there as well? Or did you hang out with no, them after? No, I was, was only in there. 
I was the only one that kind of went. My cousins went as well um, because they were also struggling with math, but they never taught there. Hmm. Um, I just taught there because my brother had taught there. So we had a good reputation of like we excelled in the program so we can obviously teach it to other kids type of thing. Okay. Is your brother uh, adopted also or? Oh, he is a biological. I, um, I follow a lot of adoptee stories where my parents tried forever to have kids. And then, uh, the year after they started the adoption process, uh, they had my brother, um, but they wanted multiple kids and it was such a pain to have just one that they kept the process going so that they could have two kids. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So you talked about the experience of going to the school and not only being part of it, but then as a student, but then like teaching there as well as being really surreal as being so far abridged from or apart from the bridge, I guess. I don't know if I'm using that metaphor correctly uh, away from it's what, a real Ender's what game situation. <laughs> <laughs> away. <laughs> um, away from what you like were normally doing in, uh, outside of that. So was there any crossover from like what you were experiencing at that school uh, that you brought, were able to bring back to your life uh, with like your adoptive family as you were growing up from four to 18? Not really. Uh, They kind of, my adoptive parents, as well as being in a private school setting kind of put a lot of pressure to excel in school on me. Um, so in, in that respect, that was the only kind of stereotype that I saw where I was like, Oh, I have Asian parents that aren't Asian parents that they expect you to achieve at a high level, um, and get really good grades and go to, you know, really good school, high school, college, whatever. Um, they had extremely high aspirations for me, like, Oh, be a doctor, be a lawyer. Uh, I didn't learn that stereotype until way after the fact. And I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the only kind of crossover experience where I could overhear parents at Kumon telling that to their kids. And then I would come home and, and kind of hear the same thing. Totally get that because I had a pretty similar experience. I spent most of my education in private school and my parents really wanted me to excel and and do well. So I felt the pressure of getting good grades and also just like being disciplined enough to do school properly because I was super lazy as a kid. And uh, like I took piano when I was five, which apparently if it's not piano, it's violin. Like those are very common like classical (laughs) instruments to learn. Uh, which I mean, makes sense. And fortunately, I actually liked piano, but I also remember like hating practicing the piano. And so like my mom just being like, you have to practice piano 30 minutes every day, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I was just like, this is awful. But like, so yeah, I definitely relate to that, like tiger mom experience, except your mom's not a tiger. She's a whatever's native to America cat. <laughs> Domestic house cat. Yeah, no, I don't know what don't cats know. are native to America. Bobcat, I don't know. Anyway, so um, the, the Bobcat mom is that is that trap? Anyways, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm curious. Something that I thought was interesting when you were talking about your adoption story <laughs> is you said um, 2012 was the moment when you finally got the guts to do 
a birth search. And I'm curious, what does it mean for you to quote, have the guts to start that process? Like, why was that, um, such a, like a momentous thing for you? Uh, cause I think for some people it's like, oh yeah, I, I super understand that. And others I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm just like, I'm curious about my, you know, adoption and, and my biological family or whatever. And for me in my household, that was, uh, a very open conversation. Like they were very open to that. So I'm curious what, what in your experience led you to use that phrase? I got the guts to start searching. Um, so when I was growing up, like I said, I knew I was adopted, but that's where it kind of ended. Um, Mm. it was very much, I kind of want to say white savior complex looking back on it, where it was, I heard the rhetoric, you're so lucky you're here. You're so fortunate. You should be grateful. Um, a lot growing up, um, I heard from my adoptive parents, you know, we saved you from that orphanage. We gave you a better life. All this, all this stuff that I didn't really understand how negatively impactful that was for me on a mental level. Um, So as I got older, I kept asking more and more questions. Um, When I was getting a little sassier, I I tested those, you know, boundaries with your parents as a kid does. And I said things like, well, you're not my real mom. Uh, you know, like I didn't come from you because I learned about biology and anatomy. And I was like, well, obviously, like, like, you're not my real mom. You're just, you know, this person that has me. And there is a lot of negative pushback with that. Um, so I never got the sense that especially my adoptive mom ever wanted me to try to search for my uh, birth parents in any regard, just, you know, I'm hers and I'm there. Uh, And I finally hit this point in my life when I was having some difficulties with them uh, that I decided, you know what, I want to do this for myself. I've been so separated from this identity that I want to begin the search and do it on my own for myself. Yeah. So does the the bravery in that process really, I think, would it be fair to say that it represents just like that uh, clear marcation of independence and like starting out and like figuring out like who you were, are, and kind of like that break from, not break maybe, but like uh, just, you know, line of marcation between you and your family and thinking about like, who do I want to be now moving forward? Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well. And I didn't tell anybody in my adoptive family that I was beginning the search necessarily. Uh, I did try to get them to tell me, you know, what agency they use. I knew Holt, but Holt has so many different subsidiaries under it. I was like, okay, but which Holt? Um, (laughs) And they wouldn't give me that information, which just supported the idea that they didn't want me to go on this search, which was extremely frustrating because at that point I was, you know, in my early 20s. And I was like, why, why can't I learn about my past as an adult? Like, why are you trying to keep it from me for whatever reason? It's not... I'm a burn. I'm Irish. And that's it. You know, like I'm clearly not, I'm the opposite of Irish. So like, what am I supposed to do with that? I think that's very accurate to say that 
just Asian in general is the opposite of Irish. I think that's pretty, <laughs> I think it's pretty accurate. I will say though, there was a comedian I saw on Comedy Central who is Korean Irish. And uh, I don't know, like if his family had emigrated there, but I was like, this is weird to my brain hole. Uh, but it was really funny. I don't remember his name, but I was like, huh. Oh, funny. his last name is Burn. So. <laughs> really? I watched that comedy special. Oh, yeah. Wow. No there's joke. a comedian, there's like an Asian comedian with the last name ago. Burn. <laughs> Huh. That's I think he, incredible. I, the only, I think this is his joke too. He just talked about like macaroni and cheese and how when you hear macaroni and cheese in a pot, you just get super excited just for that like little, you know, whatever. And you're like, oh, I know what's coming. It was, it was, <laughs> I don't know. It was really funny. It was just like a, a quick like Comedy Central like lineup before maybe Asian comedians. Uh, yeah, it's just like, Classic. huh, Korean Irish. But well, I think he was living in Tennessee. I don't know. It was weird. It was a whole. I mean, talk about intersectionality. A, that that yeah, is right. deeply intersectional. <laughs> that's a that's another that's a whole other topic that we're gonna have to get into <laughs> on another solo. Um, so Mary, knowing that you have this roadblock of like your adoptive parents saying we're not gonna help you, we're not gonna give you this information in 2012. Where do you start? Where does Mary in 2012 start this search, knowing that you have like this obstacle in front of you? Um. So I knew Holt. Uh, so I started at the top and I started with Holt International Children's Services because to my knowledge, like that was the big one. And if I could find something, hopefully I could find it there. Um, and then I got an email back from them saying that they couldn't find my records anywhere. So maybe try Holt Children's Services of Korea. Um but that kind of, I, I stopped after that. Um, I was going through some schooling changes at that point. I had withdrawn from graduate school. I had shifted careers. So, uh, you know, all those life events kind of, kind of came at the same time. Um, but I actually paused my search for about a year and a half, uh, after learning to try Holt Children's Services of Korea and then didn't resume until 2014. And then, you know, I did uh, go through Holt Children's Services of Korea, gave them all my information, filled out all of the forms. Uh, and then I actually received this huge PDF. Uh, it was like 30 pages or something of my file that they had oh, wow. on record, hmm. which was... Wow incredible um because it had everything handwritten in korean and then it had a typed version in english and it had um my birth parents at least you know ages marital status blood type education it had um guardianship so of the official form to transfer me um to like the orphanage um and into government custody um, it had um, reasons for relinquishment, um, so it gave a little bit of a backstory as to why I was relinquished. Um, it had a full pre-flight child report uh, that basically said I was good to go, good to send off. Uh, my temperament was good. My eating habits were solid, all that jazz. Um, and then any other uh, general development uh recorded by the foster family that i was with uh just supporting like yeah she reached this age and to our knowledge she's good to she's good to get on a plane and go 
What was it like after reaching out to Holt Children's Services after a year and a half pause, and then they respond and say, here's this 30-page PDF. Do you remember what your just initial reaction was to be like, oh, wow. Or not, that was my reaction, obviously. But what was your reaction? <laughs> His reaction to your story. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Do you remember, like, what you were feeling in that moment or, like, what you had just, like, initially taken away from just receiving that email? I was in absolute shock that, you know, the day after I had submitted all of my final documentation, I was like, okay, I won't hear from them for a while. And the next day, they're like, well, here's what we have so far. Uh, and then... We're, we'll like start with your parents, but here's what we've got. I was in absolute shock and I remember printing it out and just reading it over and over and over again. Like I couldn't believe that this information was finally in my hands, that I had all of this background information that I feel like a lot of non-adopted people take for granted. Like, oh, I have stories from you as a newborn all the way till now, like no, the earliest baby picture that my parents have is me as a four month old. Like I have two infant photos that were in the file with all of my stuff and that's it. Um, so this is weird to say, but almost like I, I existed in Korea before I came to America, seeing that reality, seeing pen to paper, here's what you were like, um, before you got into the custody of um, Americans was more affirming of my search than anything. It was like, I just started to scratch the surface of like the Korean side of me that I had never even tried to find before. Um, So I just remember being extremely emotional and, you know, almost, almost to the point of compromising if this is all I get out of this search, then it would still be something. Um, So I didn't take that for granted. I was just, yeah, there is so much emotion (laughs) that happened for, for like a a super long time. I loved watching you just recall that. I could really feel, I think it's because in this audio medium, it's hard like for a listener to really see, but I like that we're able to see you. And I was like to able to see you recall that because I could feel the emotion that you were feeling and just like you going back into that moment. So thank you for sharing that. Sorry, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting too, like something that you said, I think, I don't know. I don't remember off the top of my head, Nathan and Patrick, when exactly how old you were when you were adopted, but I think we're all pretty young, but um, like, I think especially when you're a baby, it's easy to think because you, I mean, naturally, your memories don't go back that far. Uh, so it's easy to just be like, I mean, I know that I'm adopted, but I have only have memories of being in America and being with my adoptive family. And so then, yeah, thinking about yourself as Korean and kind of that affirming sense of like, oh, I did exist in another place. Because if you don't think about that and you have no memories of it, then it can just feel like you're almost gaslighting yourself. Like there, there is... There's just ethereal, I belong nowhere. And so, yeah, just, I think what I saw in you was was the weight and recalling the weight and the gravity of like being rooted and grounded in a country called Korea, that there was like documented evidence of my existence there. And the way that that begins to shift how you think about yourself, I think is really, 
um, unique and interesting. And yeah, I don't know. I've not ever thought about my lack of memories as some bit of untethering in my, you know, my being. Um, but hearing you tell your story really gives me more language and gives me more ways to think about what it means to be who I am as an adoptee. So yeah, no question. Just <laughs> and, and as a photographer myself, uh, when I got my uh, paperwork from my biological search too, uh, I also got a photo back. And uh, so I don't know how you felt when you saw that photo specifically. Um, for me, it was like, because I've seen so many photos of myself as a kid, you know, like you said, as, as your parents have taken these photos and you see those and you remember those and you remember those moments because you've seen the photo. Like I, you don't remember, remember the moment, but you remember the photo thinking, oh, this, I was doing this cute thing here and that. When I saw that other photo of, uh, of me in my file, I, I was like kind of amazed at it because it, it, at first I said, that doesn't look like me. But the second, <laughs> second thing I thought was, wow, there's a photo of me that I've never seen before. Number one, number two, it's like, think of all the other photos that could have potentially been around that are not there. Um, what do you think of that photo? I guess that you've seen, do you, um, I, I see you digging around in some <laughs> yeah. paperwork here. Uh, sorry. I had to Furiously get it out. Rifling so through it documents. came, it came ah. in this little envelope. Um, so I have, Oh, nice. Yours is in color. See, mine's in black and white, not to age me, but. Photo, <laughs> uh, in there. And then they decided to do uh, oh, a little nice. close up. Um, That's real cute. Wow. Of myself. But, you know, like, I had never seen myself, you know, like, as a fresh newborn, I guess, right. you know, like, swaddled and brand new to the world. I, I had never seen that. Um, I just saw myself eyes fully open, able to, you know, at least hold my head up and everything. So that kind of brought to my attention, like, I I was there. I, you know, an, an infant version of me did exist and everything. And then I, you know, there were some negative connotations that I kind of associated with it, too, where the smaller one has a... Uh, has a placard with my case number on it. Just uh, adoptees in 1990. There, there were so many of us, uh, I feel like. And I went through this period of time where I saw my, after I got that back, saw myself uh, with the case number in front of me. And I was like, this kind of makes me feel like an item put up for auction or like a dog being adopted where I have like, you know, this code associated with me and, mm-hmm. and, you know, someone with enough money and resources is, you know, gonna basically import me from this foreign country to their homeland and then essentially do with me what they will. Uh, so it, you know, it, it's a mixed bag of a lot of emotions, but I am so, so grateful to have at least like a piece of my infantized self. Well, especially going from where you started, like, you know, having the block of like your adoptive family say, we're not going to help you. And then to go out and dig a little, take a break and then come back and dig again. And to get some almost 
instant gratification in the sense that they were getting they got back to you so quickly i think is yeah, they were is, messing around they yeah like i think that. it's amazing um that you were able to receive that because i've also heard you know the horror stories of trying to retain or to get your information or even a little bit and how the mm-hmm. runaround that you can get so i think it's really incredible that you were able to get this robust file of uh information um because like you said earlier you know i think for non-adopted people you can take some of that for granted and for me uh just really quickly i i have my parents kept my file my adopted parents and those pictures that you just showed i have two that look almost identical uh even in just like the way that i'm posed in the picture uh looks very similar and i was also adopted in 1990 so you know, maybe they were just like, we're going to just run down the line and snap some pictures of babies. <laughs> That's what uh, it looks like. like. All of us are just in, like, you know, the newborn <laughs> containers and they're just... You get a yeah. card. Yeah. Everybody gets a card. <laughs> but, yeah, for no. babies. Next. <laughs> I just thought that, that that's really amazing. You were able to get that information. And so having this now, like, where do you go next? Like, you're like, okay, I have my information. And it's like, and like you said, you know. I could be good or I can continue on this journey. Where did you, where were the next steps for you? Um, so from there, uh, I went into it with, with the requests, like I want to find my birth parents. I want you to send, you know, whatever you can to them essentially. Um, so they said that they would send a telegram to both parents via their government ID. Um, Wait, did you say telegram? Yes, that's that's what they that's the language that they told me. It may have gotten lost in translation, but every time they said we sent like a communication to them, it always came back in my email as Telegram. All right. Um, so, I'm okay with that. <laughs> so uh, I they sent it to uh, both of them, as far as I know, um, and then I didn't hear from them for a while. Uh, so I started in May 2014, got the documents, and then I checked back in in August. Uh, they apparently sent the telegram in July, um, and then I got a letter back from my dad end of August, beginning of September, I think, of that year. Letter um, from your birth father. A letter from my birth father. Uh, I... I can't remember because for my birth father, my birth mother was different experiences. Uh, For my birth dad, uh, in the like that initial search, I composed a letter to both of them, essentially. Um, Like one letter to both. Yeah, just an introductory like, hey, I'm your kid. I'm trying to find you. I didn't really know what to put, so I I did that like biographical. Here's a name that I was given when I went over. Here's my current age. Here's what I'm doing. Um, I really kind of want to connect with you, and then I just kind of ended it because as an adoptee, I'm sure you guys know, like I don't know what to put in that what initial else do you letter. Say? Yeah, I like like I I really don't. I'm curious now. I don't even remember what I put in mine. I should go find it. You should actually. yeah. You should try to find it because yeah. Like, in that pro- I'm huh. just like, I don't even know how. I don't like, know what I would hey, say. Hey, my name is Kate. It's complicated. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I'm yeah. probably this old, assuming everything is accurate. Hmm. Uh, and I think I might be your kid. And I would like to meet you, I guess. 
Yeah, cool that's, that's essentially the mindset that I went in. They're like, oh, like the agency just went in all casual. Like, well, clearly you'll send a letter. And I'm like, will I? <laughs> Wait, Are <what>? you sure? <laughs> uh, so that, It's not supposed to be a telegram stop? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I composed it. And then he sent one back very quickly. Um, and then we started communication from there. That is amazing. Um, so I want to ask what that initial reaction was like, but you mentioned that you had an experience where you received a letter from your, your birth mom as well. Yeah, that didn't come until end of 2019. Um, so, uh, I, I had learned from being in different Facebook adoptee groups, um, that, and I guess it was a rumor at the time that you can only send a certain amount of letters. And the way it was phrased, I thought you could only send a certain amount of letters in your entire lifetime. Like you can only send three for your entire life. Oh. Um, so when I hadn't heard from her, I, you know, sent that one um, in 2014. I sent another one in uh, end of 2014. And they're like, okay, well, this is two. And I was like, oh no, I can't send another one. I guess I'll just wait um and be patient and then i learned later no like through holt uh specifically as only experience i can really speak to um you can reach out three times a year um beyond that is considered harassment that's the language that they used in the Mm -hmm. email to like holt explained it to me um when i wanted to like confirm (laughs) it uh they're like we'll send them ourselves like we'll send it three times and then we have to like pause for a year and then we can like revisit it um so i've once i learned that i reached out uh in november of 2019 to to see like hey i haven't searched for my birth mom in a really long time um she's kind of the one that I wanted to find. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's an adoptee specific, like I want to find my mother. Um, But I really wanted to find her. So uh, I reached back out to them. And then uh, the day before Christmas Eve, they're like, we have a Christmas present for you. We found your birth mom. Uh, (gasps) And (laughs) I was at work and I like screamed out loud. Uh, yeah, did you say like I gotta go now? Yeah, yes. like I gotta. Yeah, uh, I'm out. I I'll couldn't really. To... <laughs> I worked in a in a bakery at a grocery store, so like that was our busy season. So I couldn't just like peace out. Um, <laughs> so, bread's not gonna bake itself. <laughs> so uh, luckily, it was like an early morning shift, so I was able to leave and kind of like absorb. Like, oh my god, I found both of them. Um, yeah. Which is, is bizarre because you hear all these horror stories of, you know, like I tried to search and I found out that they passed away or, you know, I tried to search and I couldn't find them or, you know, I was abandoned on the side of a road in Korea, which I've heard a lot of stories that that's super common. And the, like, I, I'm just still in shock. Like I found both of them. Um and I don't know how, but I was able to find both of them like very separately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's wild. It's, yeah. Did you ever ask your dad about your mom? If 
I did. Um, After the first few letters, because we sent them through Holt to get translated, he was getting a little frustrated with the delay in the translation Mm because they were a little slow. So he was like, you know what? We have this app called Kakao Talk. So download it. Here's my username. We can like text with that. And it'll be a lot faster. Um, So we were texting for a while. But some things got lost in translation because I Mm. thought he said, hey, I know. I know your mom. And I was like, you're still in touch with her. Can you get me in touch with her? Like, this is crazy. And he really meant like. No, like, I know your mom's background, um, Mm. and I know her name, so that, like, I wanted Mm. you as my daughter to know her name, because if you don't get any information about her, like, at least you have her name, Mm. um, type of thing. So, uh, I didn't ask outright, I just, it, our relationship got to the point where we were pretty open, so, uh... I was very open, like, you know, I'm I'm so glad I found you, but I'm also looking for my mom mm-hmm. type of thing. So he's he was aware and he reminded me to be patient with the search. Um yeah. because it's especially the stigma in Korea of being a single mom, like or you know, just having that uh being a woman in Korea who had a child and gave them up for adoption. If you remarry or have another family, you don't really want that family to know. So that's why Mm -hmm. a lot of the letters get ignored at first because they get intercepted or just like, I don't want to open this part of my past because it's disgraceful. All these, all these little things. Um, So yeah. in in one of the letters that he had translated to clarify, he was like, just be patient. Um, Korean mothers keep all their children in their hearts and know that like, she still thinks of you, but just don't rush into it. Um, and hopefully it'll happen type of thing. Well, one, I gotta say, thank you so much for sharing that <laughs> Two, Um, when I originally asked you about receiving the letter from your mom, did not realize it was going to be within the span of that time. And then just couldn't step in, uh, about, just because it was an incredible story. Sorry. And, no, you're perfectly no, you're perfectly <laughs> fine. Um, but I just wanted to step back for just one second. And because mm-hmm. I don't want it to seem like we glossed over this point. The first letter you received was from your father there at yes. the end of August 2014. So I just want to go back and touch on like, this was the first one. What was that reaction like? You know, we talked about the reaction of receiving your information. What was it like to actually receive this letter from your biological father? Uh, at that time? Disbelief. Um, Complete disbelief. A little bit of disappointment that they hadn't been able to find my birth mother. Um, But the fact that one of my birth parents wanted to have that communication open and continue that with me and be accepting of it was unbelievable like completely just I was in shock um and I I reread that letter a lot before responding with my letter um and I decided to be 
as open as I could and as vulnerable as I could because I wanted everything to be extremely real and uh, like no boundaries. Like you are my birth dad. So let's go. I want to know, you know, everything as much as I can. Um, it is a little awkward in the beginning because, you know, I was in my 20s, like mid 20s. I you don't know what to say at that point because um, you're talking as adults uh but but yeah like getting it reading it um him explaining family stuff uh and not necessarily his side because that came later but like just he did the thing uh that both of them actually did where you know they were glad that I grew up well um and to his knowledge like found a good family um in America and he he was so grateful that I had reached out and uh you know like he didn't feel like he deserved to be called my father but he hoped that in time he would be deserving of the title of my father type of thing um so all these little nuances that you know doesn't really exist in America as far as like gratitude um from parents to their children of like I'm so grateful you exist uh when we put it into writing um that that was insane that was affirmation of like this this could be a really really good thing so then uh you got five years later you got the letter from your mother on on Christmas Eve you want to touch on that a little bit and what that was like yeah, that was... Well, she obviously had to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Other than the bread part. <laughs> uh, that was more shock. That was, you know, I developed such a good relationship with my birth dad and I compromised with myself again. Like, okay, if if this is the only parent that I can find, I'll be happy. Like, that's, you know, I'm an adoptee that found a parent. That's mm-hmm. okay. I'm... This is really, really good. Um, So getting a letter from her was earth shattering on a psychological level. Um, And it was handwritten. So they they had scanned it and sent it to me and then sent a translation. Um, She apparently wrote it at like three o'clock in the morning because she couldn't sleep after she had gotten news of me. Um, So then she explained a bit of her situation from what it sounded like she was previously married. I have five siblings from her. Um, and she couldn't, I guess, respond to the initial ones because her husband was still alive. So like, she didn't want to like have to do any explanation, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but since I did it so late in 2019, her husband had, passed away and I guess she felt free from like a social aspect to mm-hmm. okay I can re- reach out um and she said the same thing like I'm not deserving to be called your mother but I'm like I'm so happy you reached out um you know this this is a bright moment in my life and uh hopefully one day we can meet type of thing so just reading those words seeing her handwriting um seeing those initial like 
words from an, a from a birth mother to a birth child was like honestly I couldn't absorb it for a couple weeks I just kept revisiting it um I was in shock I didn't really know what to do uh I didn't send a response for like a month because I didn't even know what to say because I wasn't expecting it mm-hmm. did you eventually tell your father that you'd found her no uh the adoption agency advised that because uh my birth parents weren't together when I was born um and they had been apart for so many years to not tell either one of them that I had found the other hmm. so okay. I can see why that might be beneficial because you're mixing worlds that had it divided. sounds like the beginning of a K drama. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, so and they probably the I mean honestly the adoption agencies probably don't want any liability to anything like that as well. Yeah. So um, it's interesting. I don't think mine said that, but um, and then I know we we briefly talked before we started the recording. You said you have been to Korea. Yes. So when and and why did you go back? Um, so (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to put words in her mouth. (laughs) Um, so obviously, you know, a big part of my birth parent search and my search into my heritage was, I always wanted to go back to Korea. Um, financially it's a little difficult because of plane ticket prices, um, and getting time off, but, um, my uh my partner actually gave me the trip to Korea as my Christmas gift uh in 2017 um and we actually preferred doing you know experiences and not things for gifts mm-hmm. so yeah um the Korea trip was really, you know, he was like, this covers Valentine's Day, anniversary, birthday, everything. And I'm like, <laughs> nice. that's fine. You're good for like He's two like, years. We're going to Korea. This in for multiple holidays, just a heads up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, um, here's a, remember when we went to Korea for Valentine's Day? Here's a <laughs> Christmas next year. Here's a remember when you went to Korea for birthday. Just a di- different picture each time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like handwritten, like, we did this already. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Like coupons, but in reverse. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we went in October of 2018. Um, and I had coordinated uh, first with my dad just to tell him like, hey, by the way, we're going to be in Korea um, for two weeks in October. Do you want to meet? Um, and he was like, absolutely. We can set it up with the agency. We can do this. Um, so I set it up with them, um, through email, we picked a date and a time, um, to go to their office. They were kind enough to give me a map of where the agency was and a picture of the front. So I would know where it was. Um, and we purposely got an Airbnb, um, in Mapogu in a place very close to it. So it was like walkable from our Airbnb, um, and they had arranged for a translator to be there because they were like, okay, well, you'll have the initial office meeting uh, with your birth dad. And then your birth dad wants to take you out for coffee afterwards. Um, so a translator will be there 
you know, for as long as possible. Um, so yeah, I, I had wanted to go for forever and the fact that I could go was insane. And that wasn't the first thing we did. Uh, I wanted to give myself a few days to get through jet lag. So I wasn't completely tired, uh, from that trip. Uh, for, for my partner's sake, we went to, uh, the League of Legends Worlds was in Busan <laughs> that year, so okay. we saw okay. we saw a uh, a night of the the play in round okay. um, for that, and that was that was real. Wow. That was a cool like welcome to Korea. Here's yeah. this beach that town where you get to incredible. see incredible. Yeah, yeah, where you get That's to see a like a. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, and there might be people who don't even know what we're talking about. Still, <laughs> yeah. actually, it's it's a video game. Okay, so we'll move on. It's a computer video game, <laughs> sports tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, something that connected my partner and me. Actually, we would play together uh, nice. early in our relationship. Oh. So we were like, "Oh, League is in Busan while we're there. Let's <laughs> let's get tickets to that." That's so that's why he was going cool. to Korea. So, like, yeah, you want, I know you want to go to Busan. Korea for, yeah. for your really Ooh. personal thing, but I'm also going to go here. <laughs> and then Mary could have given it back to him as a as a card later, as like a, a gift. <laughs> By the way, you remember that time we were there you and you went to we went to world. So then you had the actual meeting uh, there, plus the the after um, the coffee. coffee. So yeah, how like how was that? I. I I know my experience with my um, my sister when she's the first biological si- uh, sibling that I met, and uh, luckily we also had a translator, which was her friend who was translating for us, which was I feel so important because uh, I've also been back to meet my biological family there without a translator, and it was just so much more difficult. <laughs> so, um, so the, the that's great that you had a translator there for at least less awkward moments of silence uh how how was that how was that experience um and what did it feel like i guess to to not only um you know to see him but uh, to learn more about you know any of the questions and and just experiences that you wanted to ask we had sent pictures back and forth so we knew what we looked like um he had sent pictures of the whole family so i knew what my aunts and uncles and cousins and grandmother looked like. Um, he brought my little sister Sujin with him. Um, and I learned later he didn't tell any of the extended family that I was there because he didn't know if the first in-person interaction would go well, wouldn't go well. Um, and it went really well, uh, to his surprise, but I can get to that later. Um, yeah, uh, they talked to the agency, talked to me first, uh, walked me through the process of, you know, like, we're going to talk to you and then we're going to bring your dad in. Um, and then I'll be here to translate. Um, and you can ask whatever you want. Um, you know, I'll tell you ahead of time if there's something that, like, we don't want you to ask specifically. Mm-hmm. Um and we kind of went over, like, I was so nervous. I was like, okay, but these are the questions that I want to ask. Is this common for, you know, an adoptee coming back to ask? And she's like, yeah, totally normal. Um, I'm well prepared for, you know, like that 
almost line of questioning, but just, you know, like ask for whatever information you want. Um, and I remember them, the two of them kind of walking in and we set up to greet each other and my dad and I just kind of burst into tears, uh, and hugged each other. And that like, that kind of set the tone for the whole, the whole experience. Um, I think we were crying like on and off through the whole, I, I think in office was like an hour of us just talking through the translator. Um, just, gosh, it's so hard to remember some of the conversation because so much happened that trip, but just having that connection and seeing seeing them in person and being able to hear his side of the adoption story um, and everything was so, was so insane. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't believe that he was there in front of me. I couldn't believe how much my sister and I looked alike. I, I, I was like, this is happening. This is real. Don't ever forget this, this moment. Um, and then, you know, we finally covered enough ground where he, we went out to coffee. Um, and then, uh, we spent four hours, I think, just chatting over coffee through the translator. Um, but because the translator was a volunteer, she had to leave. Uh, so then when she left, we, uh, he invited us to go get dinner in his neighborhoods, uh, and I hadn't known, but he had called all of his siblings and said, like, hey, my birth daughter is here. Let, like, let's go take her out to dinner. <laughs> so then we went to his house in his car and I was nervous. I was like, I'm in this car with my birth dad and my sister and my partner. And we are driving to I don't know where. And we're driving like. Hope they're all cool. <laughs> like, 35 minutes away. Like, I no longer have a translator. I don't know Korean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What did we get ourselves into? Uh, so uh, we went to their house first and I met my grandmother. And that was wow. after hearing his side of the story. That was such an insane experience. Um, when I had been sending him letters with my picture, he had printed one out to show her and she had actually stolen it from him and kept it under her pillow and would always like kind of look at it and have it out. And he told me about that in a letter and I was like, that is adorable. That's, (laughs) that's so great. Um, but yeah, after that we went to a K barbecue place by his house and, uh, two of my uncles showed up and one of my aunts showed up and we were talking through Papa go uh, as best as mm. we could. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my uncles knew some English because he was a, uh, he's in technology. So he travels around the world a lot. Um, so he kind of helped, but it was just, I remember just sitting at the dinner and looking around at the table of my blood family and being like, this is here. This is my family. They're accessible and they're real. And, they keep looking at me too. Like this is, this is a movie. This isn't happening. Um, and yeah, it was, 
it was shocking and incredible and and yeah i i made sure to like burn that experience into my memory very surreal yeah. sure. okay but how how was the gogi how was the barbecue was it good <laughs> it was good it was they i had never gotten korean barbecue before so they had to teach me what a first experience how wow. to do it <laughs> Um, so I learned firsthand, like how long to grill each of the meats. And I learned how to make the lettuce wrap and how to, you know, like dip the meat already cooked into salt and pepper and put it in and then put gochujang on top and the grilled veggies and then just wrap it up and eat it in one bite. And I, I had never known, like, you know, I was never exposed to a K barbecue restaurant. So that was it was meaningful to have that first experience with him. Like this is a communal thing. You know, we do this a lot. So like learning how to eat that with my dad was, was incredible. Yeah. Amazing. I remember having that experience with my parents and my foster mother and how sweet and special that was and watching, especially like my mom and my foster mom interact and, and do that. Um, but yeah, food is such a, I think especially Korea being such a like historically agrarian society, it's such a thing that centers and creates the community, you know? And so I, I think especially having that moment and having that moment with your family around a meat pit, you know, whatever, uh, <laughs> is that's probably the best way to say that, right? I guess, um, yeah. Like a, yeah, gr- but I mean, grill. that, yeah, like really, yeah, you could call it a grill, but it's a meat pit. It's a meat pit inside of the table. Uh yeah, and with your partner there, and have, like that is um, a really, really wonderful experience. And I'm so happy for you that you had that, and I'm so grateful that you came on and, and talked about that. I just, um, yeah, that's that's a really cool time, and I love food, and I love food with family, and I think that that is really nice. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, we are going to take a break because uh, all this talk about food means we should probably transition to a food segment of our own um, in a. Because we could talk to think, you for, I think, for a long time. Yeah, about there's like, there's like seven stuff. other parts of your story that like we yeah. still haven't gotten to yet. Um, but I think <laughs> it's, yeah, so we're going to create more community on our own in a minute after the break. After we figure out what we're eating, it's not K-Barbecue. Uh, so we'll take Aww. a break and we come back, be jumping in with a Korean snack B-R-B. or drink item. B-R-B. Here we but go. I, I want meat pit. Nathan, roll into it. Welcome back to the John Chief. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> He's forgotten how the show works. I, no, it's because I, I remember what you told me on the last time because I was getting ready to say it again. Oh, so yeah. The food portion. I was, like, I was like, eating portion. It's not eating portion, it's food portion. So. Well, we do eat, but we also it's drink. True. It's the mukbang portion. The mukbang. Yes. Welcome back to the John Cheat Show food portion. See, I got it right that time. Food portion. Almost Although did. we are eating the food. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the food portion of our show. We're eating food. Korean Nathan, food. Yeah. Nathan, Nathan Norwalk was born in Norwalk, Oklahoma. So now he, he just, he do just talk like this now. I'm progressing. Um... <laughs> So, yes, we today just had an amazing interview with Mary Byrne. Um, and although we are not having a meat pit right now, we are having a snack <laughs> of time. Korean origin with one of Korea's favorite little characters, Pororo. 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 Pororo seems to be on 
a lot of stuff. I don't know. Have you guys noticed that? Did you see uh, a lot of this, Mary, when you were in Korea? Did you have you ever heard of Pororo? Um, I haven't. Uh, I honestly didn't pay attention to the snacks until we were leaving. And I was like, oh, I have to get snacks for all my friends. Um, But you had more. No, I was, you know, absorbing so much other stuff that I like. Yeah. Something like important I, and important, important things other than my like I'll be around my family. I don't sure. I don't need to know characters. <laughs> I do recognize him though, because uh, I saw a Korean children's show randomly live on YouTube and I got curious. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's from That's probably you know, the like same an, one. Yeah. An educational TV show. I will yeah. say this is the first uh packaging I've seen him making someone nervous. This little <laughs> monkey in the corner is not <laughs> oh. happy about Pororo. He, he it's because so he's nervous. stealing his bananas. Man, That's why. why. He said, these are my bananas. <laughs> Um, so yes, this is a Korean, this is a Korean cartoon. They started in 2003, so they've been around for a while. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I know if you go to your local H Mart, you'll find, um, Pororo on a lot of different things. Like he's on everything from noodles to snacks, to kids drinks, to everything. So, um, Oh, Winky McGee on my package here. (laughs) Yeah, that's Krong. Krong, uh. Nathan, quit knowing so, so much. About sorry. First, first, you come out as a closet BTS <laughs> yeah. army, and now you're coming out as a closet whatever Pororo fans call themselves. Pororo. Yes, I know. So, um, yes, but Ooh, this is banana flavor. It looks like a little ice cream cone. It smells good. Wafer. Mary, I'm you've got the strawberry flavor. Minus strawberry. That is the one that I could find. Ooh. When I saw the it picture is. first, I thought it was supposed to be cold and i was like oh <laughs> but but it's not uh, it's very fragrant you're right mine's it's m- super fragrant smells very much like banana odorful odorful <laughs> yeah. your formidable scent and it's super <laughs> solid on top like mm-hmm. the picture makes it look soft it's yeah, a little I just soft into it and i don't know what it is i'm not gonna lie it smells <laughs> like pure gasoline <laughs> it stings the nostrils. <laughs> nostrils. Oh yeah, I don't know about the consistency of this. Huh. I like the cone like, on the outside. The cone is like a wafer, so the cone is just a wafer that's a very long, very long cone. Kind of smells like bubble gum, and then also tasted like bubble gum, except not chewy. It just dissolved into my mouth and went down my. It, it's a very dissolving sugar. The super dissolving sugar. Yeah, but it's good. I mean, mine's. Tastes like banana. It, it reminds I mean, it, me of whatever that little cream thing was on the corn chi. That oh, like, mm, was yeah. Like weird. Oh, the whatever cool that stuff. was made of. Mm-hmm, it's made of the same stuff, which huh. is weird. But it makes sense in, in this ice cream cone thing. It didn't mm-hmm. make sense on the corn chi. I don't know. This isn't bad. It's not bad. I'm not hating it. I like it. I'm not. The, my the kids ate it pretty quickly. So Too strong. How's yeah, the strawberry? I, like one? A different I really like the strawberry. You like yeah, the strawberry? I know the it's strawberry really is good. good. This is getting added to my list of snacks to get to <laughs> Yeah. So I'm going in for a second one because yeah. the serving. I'm not because my box was three cones. And it only had two of them in it. Yeah, I know. Nathan sent me a bunch <laughs> of open stuff. Not hey, fully packaged. I'm, I'm budgeting. What the heck, Norwalk? <laughs> Actually, makes I'm sense. I'm budgeting. That's smart to do for me because I would 100% eat multiple. Yes. <laughs> if if you had 12 in your package or your box, you would have eaten 11. 11 of them before this filming. So, 
Yeah, I'm just wrong. making sure. You are I'm just making sure wrong. you only have a couple to try, and I'm making sure that you both have two. It's up to you on sharing with your significant others. <laughs> Ooh, that's so. why there's two. I 100% would not have shared it. I will, <laughs> but I will share it now. This is number two. All right. Well, but um, yeah, let's get into let's let's rate these hmm. puppies or these alligators. I don't know. Um, Mary, <laughs> what would you rate your strawberry? Uh, ice cone snack. <laughs> on what scale? Uh, one one to five cones. How many cones? Oh. How many krongs? Bing bing. I would say four cones out of five cones. Four um, cones out of five. Nice. Okay. It is. It is super super good. I think hmm. what would take it to the five level is if it was chocolate, because I really really love chocolate. Um. Mm. But this this is really, really good. I was a little nervous to try. Like, I'm always nervous to try Korean treats, but this was amazing. So, yeah, four <laughs> out of five. All right. I hear you. I hear you on the chocolate, too. I think this would have been fantastic were it chocolate. Um, yeah. All right. KJ, how many how many bings out of five are you giving us? Uh, okay. So, here's a, here's a weird take. I am going to give this um, three and a half out of five. It's really good, and I think it's actually too sweet. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Which is not a thing that I would ever say, I ever thought I would say about a Korean snack or dessert item. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's almost too sweet. And the thing is, like, so I just ate most of two of them. Uh, I had like one and three quarters. Because um, I felt shamed that I didn't share any. But, <laughs> uh, I don't know that I could have three. And a serving is three. Uh, and I, I think like... Even honestly, if I had finished two, I don't know. I would be like, this is a lot. Um, so yeah, so it's pretty good, but I couldn't have that many of them, which maybe maybe that works in my favor, you know, my favor in trying to, uh, you know, not overeat and be yeah. gluttonous. All right. So maybe that's how Koreans do it. They either, their, their, their desserts <clears throat> are not so sweet that you want to keep eating them, or they're so sweet that you literally can't keep eating them. That makes so, sense. The binary. I don't know. Mm, okay. All right. Just it's like, one or the other. Where's that meat pit, though? Uh, <laughs> where that meat pit at all right so we got a four or three and a half nathan how many cronks uh, i'm going how uh crongs? Krongs. oh crongs yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this isn't the yeah this isn't crunky um <laughs> this is i don't know i like it it's it's the wafer reminds me of like the wafer crackers only in a cone shape mm-hmm. and the filling reminds me of like a kind of like an airy banana chocolatey thing i don't think it's too sweet. I mean, it's still candy. So I'm going to give it four also, four out of five. Okay. Um, I hear you. Uh, I'm also going to give it a three and a half. Um, I don't, I can see where you're coming from, from the sweetness. I wish it was strawberry. And then I also, after the strawberry, wish that it was chocolate. I think different flavors would definitely bump it up in the, in the rating banana. scale. Um, <laughs> and it, just the consistency of the cream, I thought, was just the only, like if it could have been, I don't know what I'd change. But that would also bump it up. So I just going, don't understand the need to like create artificial cold stuff. I don't. That's I not don't actually either. cold. I don't either. So just so you know, they do have chocolate flavored, strawberry flavor, banana flavor, um, and a vanilla yogurt flavor. Nope. I can already oh. tell you that does not taste good. <laughs> I like vanilla yogurt, but I guarantee that the consistency of that is not good. Um, yeah, so yogurt, <laughs> strawberry, chocolate, banana. Let's All right. One more. Well, there, there you go. have it for the Pororo ice cone snack. 
banana and strawberry edition. Um, <laughs> again, Mary, want to thank you for joining us here on the show. Uh, an excellent, wonderful mm-hmm. interview. If people are not going to be able to wait uh, to hear the rest of your story before you come back on the show, where can they find you? If you want um, I'm to. on Instagram as at partial fiddle. Partial at fiddle. Partial fiddle. Which part of the fiddle? <laughs> <laughs> Was that a tad, terrible sure. joke? <laughs> no, he that said. Kind of a dad no. joke. I like that. <laughs> Sorry, I could not help myself. All right. Well, that is at partial fiddle on Instagram to find Mary Byrne. Um, again, definitely going to have you back because there's so much more of your story that we want to unpack, just like there is of all of ours. Uh, but again, I've already said it. This is one of my favorite interviews so far this year uh, and can't wait to continue with your story. Um, if you want to find us, you can get us on all of the social medias at John Chi Show. If you want to send us an email about whatever, you can do that to John Chi Show at justlikemedia.com. I'm speaking really weirdly in like a weird grammatical well, you're way. Talking fine. I don't know. Um, okay. And uh, if you really like what you've been hearing, like this wonderful interview with Mary, you can go. We would love it if you would go on to Apple uh, Podcasts, leave us a rating and or a review. Uh, again, you can leave us five stars. That would be great. Even if you hate the show, make sure it's five stars and then just trash <laughs> us in the comments. And then just rake us That's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, but it has to be us. a five stars. Um, what else? We have merch at johnchyshow.com backslash store. Mm-hmm. Sure. Shop. Uh, shop. Shop. Either one. I think it's shop. Anyways, you can go to johnchyshow.com and find out all the other stuff that we have going on. I think we have some announcements coming up too, but I'm not going to spoil them here. If you want to find <laughs> me, you can go to at Patrick in the World on Instagram. If you want to find me, you can find me at KJ Rokey, wherever I want to be found on the internet. And you can find me on the internet everywhere. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and no walk at uh, Instagram. I don't know. You guys always say where you want to be found is like, obviously, you want well, to be I'm found in these places if you're places. on it. I'm only on certain places, not on Facebook. Yeah, you just got to know the places. And then if, you are, if you're like on a place and you're like, hey, I wonder if KJ is there. I'm probably there as at KJ Rokey. But if I'm not there as at KJ Rokey, then I'm just not there. Yeah. So I don't yeah. want to be found there, you know? Like, you won't hashtags. ever find me on uh, I want to find Tumblr, you where you don't want to you know? be. <laughs> but you won't find him there, yeah, so. Yeah, that's Or will thing. I? He's not there. Because it's the internet. It's the internet. It's the internet. All right, well, um, that is it for this week. Another episode in the can of the John Cheese Show. We hope Woo. you have a great rest of your week, and we will be back next Wednesday with another episode. Woo. Thank so you again, then, Mary. John Cheese, hey John Cheese, hey Bye-bye. Yeah, I have all like the original emails from Holt and I have, you know, if I'm back on again, I can tell you that thing that I did as a kid where I'm like, I want to take a picture of myself with my mom and dad in a collage so I see who I look like. And I wasn't able to do that until I was 30. And then I did it and I was like, holy shit, like what?